Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to holiday week, I guess you could call it. We've got Christmas, Hanukkah, all kinds of stuff here uh, this week. And uh, I'm Paul Carruthers, and this is Moto America's weekly podcast, Off Track with Carruthers and Vice. I'm joined, as always, by Sean, who's out in Ohio. I'm in Southern California. Sean, you all ready for the holidays, or are you, are you lagging a bit, or how, how's it going out there on the shopping front? Yeah, I'm getting, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, you know, it seems like pretty much everything I did, did this year is at Amazon. So it's kind of nice, you know, you just get it uh, shipped where you need it to be shipped and uh, worry about it later. But I kind of all did it in about the course of about an hour. So it wasn't too bad. But my wife was complaining yesterday, she was wrapping a lot of gifts, and I sent mine all down to where we're going to be in at Christmas. And, uh, you know, she, I said, Hey, you know, you're the one that had him shipped here. What am I going to do? So anyway, how are you doing with your shopping? Uh, I'm pretty good. I got kind of started early because I was getting together with my kids earlier. So it was like most of it had to do with them. So it was cool getting it done soon, getting that over with. And then I just had a couple more and I'm, I'm going to go down to my parents' house on, uh, on Christmas morning early, um, and then go from there. So, and then I got to fly to Phoenix and this and that. So it's, uh, it's going to be a little bit busy, but at least the, the traveling's close. It's not, I don't have to travel far. My, um, my Amazon echo just went off. So maybe, maybe I got something else here coming. I don't know, but, um, Hey, I gotta, I gotta quickly, uh, provide a, uh, public service announcement out there. Um, Paul, I'm sure you've experienced this too. And I, I have this happen with my mom and dad who are, you know, they're in their eighties now, but this, this idea of when you ask somebody what they want for Christmas and they say, Oh, you know, I don't know, or don't get me something mm-hmm. that doesn't really help. That doesn't help at all. No. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Right. My parents do the same thing. I'm just like, look, I'm going to get you something. So can you throw yeah. me a couple of hints? Oh no, don't spend your money. We don't need anything. Blah, blah. It's like, whatever. But yeah, yeah, it's it's not helpful. It's actually, it actually makes it worse, but. Yeah. Cause I mean, we have this need that we have to give something and it's sort of like, just let the people give you something, you know, know. something. So yeah. Public announcement out there, you know, always provide somebody with an answer when they want to know what to get you for a gift. Don't say, don't, don't say, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Don't get me anything. Cause you feel like an idiot after that. So well, our, our guest today definitely didn't say no to his gift. Yeah. And no, quite the gift it is. Our, our guest today is 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 Josh Heron, who's the 2022 Moto America Super Sport Champion. He won that by a mile, 106 points over Rocco Landers in a, a completely dominating championship season for Josh. And then lo and behold, um, there was times when, you know, we thought he was going to come back and, and defend that championship uh, for the same um for the same Ducati team as last year and all that got kind of flipped on its head here lately. And now Josh is going to be riding a Warhorse HSBK racing Ducati Panigale V4R in the Moto America Medallia Superbike Championship. So Josh, uh, a big change uh, from where we left you at the end of the year, when you seemed fairly certain that you would be coming back to defend your championship 
And now you're you're back with the big boys uh, riding a Ducati Superbike. Are you are you stoked? Are you pumped? Are you nervous? What tell us what you're feeling over there? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm super excited about it. It was it was something that you know we we talked about previously in the year that uh, in my contract in 2022 it stated that if I won the championship in Supersport that I'd get a Superbike ride for the same team in 2023. Um, Lewis and, and, uh, Bobby approached me at the Ridge earlier this year and, and asked if I'd be okay with staying in Supersport for another year. And I kind of, you know, at first I was a little bit bummed, but then I thought about it and I'm like, man, it'd be kind of cool to defend the championship because I won the Superbike title in 2013, won the Superstock Thousand title in 2016, and then now won the super sport championship in 22 and I've never got to run a number one plate. So I thought it would be cool. And then it also gave me a little bit more familiar with the team, a little bit more familiar with, with Ducati, uh, uh before making the move to Superbike. So I kind of, that's what I kind of started planning for. Um, and then, you know, I got a call on, on Thanksgiving, actually, I was, I was in Hawaii with, with my family and, and uh, Bobby told me, "Hey, I got good news. You're on the superbike." <laughs> like, whoa! Wait a second. What's going on here? <laughs> Thought we were doing super sport. I'm, I'm still, I'm still, uh, you know, celebrating. I'm not really preparing for anything for next year because I'm, you know, in good enough shape to to do super sport again. But superbike is something that I would, I'd want to make sure I'm ready for. And uh, you know, but yeah, I am, I am excited about it. We had, we had to keep it under the wraps for a little while. I think uh, I think they were waiting on Petrucci figuring out what he wanted to do because as far as when I talked to those guys, they they really wanted or I, I at least was a, under the assumption that they wanted to try and get somebody with you know experience. So so two years on the bike would be good for Petrucci. So their hopes were that Petrucci was going to come back. Um, but uh, I think whenever he decided that he was going to go World Superbike route, um, we had talked earlier in the year about it and you know having somebody that. You know, I won a title for Ducati. Uh, I know the tires. I've won a Superbike championship before. I've I've won Superbike races, and uh, it just seemed like like the best bet. And kind of all the pressure was on me at that point. And and uh, yeah, I'm just ready to to try and and take advantage of of the situation and and be as prepared as possible and and uh, try and try and make these guys happy because you know, this year was, was a really great year for me and, and I'd like to repay them the favor and, and, uh, get the results that they're looking for. So Josh, one of the things I, I don't really understand fully about Ducati's, um, and I'll, I'll use the comparison of to a Yamaha or Suzuki Yamaha. There are six in our one have a kind of a similar look to them. There's, I guess you call it a design language and Suzuki has it with their bikes too, but you really don't necessarily mistake an R6 for an R1. Certainly the six, the GSXR 600 and 750 are very hard to tell apart, but they're different enough from the thousand, um, you know, in stature, there's, they're different size bikes. So the SP, I'm sorry, the, the Panigale V2 that you rode last year in Supersport versus is the Panigale V4R that you're going to be riding this year. I get the fact that one's a V-twin, the other is a V4. The displacement's pretty close on them, I, and, and I understand the performance is completely different, but the two bikes, if you compared them side by side or for you to ride them, ergonomically, do they feel any... Uh, does the, S, the V2 feel lighter? Does it 
Is the seating position about the same? Can you adjust it to be about the same for you? Are, are the bikes similar in any way ergonomically from, you know, from your point of view, aside from the performance of the engine? I, I think that, you know, it's, it's just like any other brand. I mean, you, uh, the, the bikes are totally different. It's not going to be anything that I can really translate over. The, the closest thing would be the feeling of the single sided swing arm, which <clears throat> a lot of people say that they don't notice, but I, I notice a little bit and it's not a performance disadvantage. It's just a, a little bit different feeling. Um, but the bike is, is much, the V2 is much smaller in my opinion, compared to the V4, the kind of seating position feels a little bit different to me. So it's, it's not anything, it's going to be a totally new, uh, you know, thing for me to learn for sure. Okay. Yeah. I, it, I, I guess I just have to get used to, you know, the way Ducati's look and are and stuff, but seeing you on that bike last year and stuff. And I mean, it's tough because Josh, you know, years ago, heck you've been racing long enough that you remember the 916 V twin was a, was a super bike. And I'm not going to get into that next generation, all that stuff. But um, the fact that now you were on a 955, but you know, it was a, it was a tough challenge for you last year with the, the championship and it was a big deal for Ducati obviously to win that championship and and for you as well but you know what did it feel like to get that uh, get that done um for Ducati I mean I think that was their first championship in the U.S. since 1994 so that's a, that's that's a huge thing for them they must have been pretty thrilled about um wrapping that up as as well as you were yeah it was you know for them what I was told at the beginning of the year was that the super sport championship was, was just as big of a deal for them, if not bigger than the Superbike championship, because they, you know, I think V2s is kind of like, uh, this, it just was important for them. Uh, that's what I was told from the beginning. I was told that this wasn't going to be a cakewalk, that it was, you know, there was going to be pressure on me, uh, from, from the team and the manufacturer to perform and they were expecting to win races. Um, but for me personally, you know, I've been trying to get a super sport championship since I, since I was 16. So, um, for me to get that was a huge deal. Um, and, and the V2 is great, but you know, like we've, it's been a hot topic all year, just the trying to balance the bikes out and stuff. I, I challenge, uh, I challenge anybody to, to try and get on that bike and, and, and win races. Cause the thing is a great bike, but it's not, uh, with, with the, you know, the power balancing it's it's not what a lot of people thought that it was so I, I would love to see some of the guys that i was racing against go and and ride that bike with with the uh throttles positioning that, that we had it at uh i ride one one uh you know at home obviously a stock one so i know what the thing is stock versus what we had it at and and uh you know i had a lot of fun this year and and we were able to obviously win a lot of races win the championship but but it was it was not just because the the bike had more CCs than the other bikes. <laughs> right. Right. Agreed. Well, Josh, there's, there's always this talk and I, I kind of understand it, but I don't know if I totally believe it. And I think we're going to find out a lot more this year, but there's always this talk. And, and I know Petrucci often mentioned it, that the, the Ducati doesn't work well with the du with the Dunlops, et cetera. Now, you've written Dunlops your entire life. So I think we'll probably be able to take that equation out of the, out of the picture because maybe the Dunlops problem with the Ducati was actually more of a, that the riders like Baz and Petrucci had spent a lot of time on the Dunlops. So it was easy to just say the bike doesn't work on these tires when it might just be the riders not being used to it. So you go into the season 
absolutely knowing everything there is to know about Dunlop tires because you've spent your entire career on it. Do you, do you see that as being the case? Like, do you think like this thing probably doesn't have necessarily an inherent problem with Dunlop tires? No, I don't, uh, you know, it's hard to say because I don't want to like, I think Baz is a, an amazing rider. Petrucci was and is an amazing rider. And so everybody they've had on, on these bikes are really good riders, but people don't understand how hard it is to, you know, a move across the world, b be on tires that are completely different than what they used to see, come over to tracks that, you know, are good tracks. They're safe tracks, but they're not, you know, formula one safety, uh, approved tracks. Like, um, I think I know talking to Yavi Flores about it, uh, when I was in New York this, this last week, you know, he, he raced a lot of time or a lot of, he spent a lot of time in BSB. So to him, the BSB tracks are way more dangerous, uh, than what we're racing here. And a lot more intimidating when you look at the walls and the runoff. So if you add all those things in, you know, I think the biggest thing is probably just the tracks, like for them getting used to tracks that aren't, uh, don't have five miles of runoff and maybe, uh, have a little bit of character, I would say to them, right. Like having bumps. I think that that adds so much, uh, it's, it's really challenging. Cause you see, even those guys come over to Coda that when I say those guys, I mean the GP guys and they complain about the bumps, like, yeah, the track's bumpy, but that's one of the better tracks for us that we go to. So, um, I think it's just a lot for them to, to learn and adjust to. Uh, so I think, you know, obviously I need to, to learn this bike, but I think I'll have a big advantage being that I've been on Dunlops and, and also winning a championship on Dunlops on the V2. So, uh, I think that the tires, they work just, just fine. I think, you know, even I've been running Dunlop Q5s on the stock V2 and, and on the V4 whenever I ride it and they work great on it. There's this, there's this, uh, kind of opinion that a lot of people have that, Dunlops don't work on Ducatis and that's, that's not the case. I mean, I understand that they develop their bikes around a different tire or they, they run, you know, different branded tires on their production bikes, but these bikes work, they work really good on the Dunlops. So it's, uh, I don't think that's the case. I think that, um, they're just, those riders are thinking of a lot of different things as they're maybe struggling to keep up with Gagne or Bobier in the past. And, and there's a lot of different things that they could that they could say was working against them. But like I said, the biggest thing is just everything that they're having to learn in one year and then not coming back for a second year. Uh, that would be hard on anybody. Right. Now, you've been you, you've seen this movie before, but this one's a little different because you've taken superbike rides in the past. Uh, Yosh, uh, Attack. But you've always had a teammate. And I don't want to say a teammate that you that they could rely on more than you, but there was it, it didn't always seem like you were the number one guy. Is there a, is there a ton of pressure? Do you feel pressure now? Like you are Ducati's guy in the superbike class. There's no one to fall back on. This is you and you alone. Does that make a difference to you going into this season? Um, yeah, it, it could because you know a lot of times for me, uh. I don't really in the past, I've looked, not looked at the big picture. I've always looked at, Oh, I got to be faster than my teammate. You know, you always listen to people say, Oh, the first thing you got to do is beat your teammate. And I think a lot of times I think about that too much. And 
so it could have hurt me in the past. Yeah. And then, and I've always been a big believer on, you know, who's the A rider, who's the B rider, like no matter what teams say, that's a thing. It's not like, it's not a thing. So, um, and I'm not blaming any of my past results on anything. Uh, but I think that having, you know, in the past when I've been a only, you know, when I've raced as the guy and I didn't have a teammate, those are my best years. 2016, I won the championship, uh, the Yoshi year, or sorry, the, uh, you know, the attack year in 2018 was the best year, you know, in my career in Superbike. even though I won the title in 13, 2018 was a much better year for me performance wise. And then this year with, with, uh, with Warhorse, it's, it's been great. You know, I, that's one less thing that I need to worry about. I can just focus on myself. I show up to the track. I have my lounge. I have my bike. I'm the only one riding it. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm the guy. So I think it does help no matter what anybody says. It's nice having a teammate sometimes because you can look at data, but I think a lot of times it's, it does, it does a lot more damage than good. Even look at GP in the past. How many riders do you hear of that are fighting within, within a team? Um, it's, that's always your number one competitor. So the guy that you need to be beating first and foremost is the guy that sometimes is just chilling in the lounge, happy as can be, because he just set pole by a second and you have no idea what he's doing or how he did it. So sometimes I think it's, it's a big advantage to be the only rider. Yeah. And Josh, I, I, I've talked to Matthew Skoltz about this a bunch, just because he's one of the notable superbike riders in our series that doesn't have a teammate. And a lot of people say, why, you know, why doesn't he or will he ever have that? And you're right. I mean, a lot of times the way you ride a bike is different than another rider. Your stature might be different. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like last year, you think about with the M4 team, you know, you got Jake Lewis and you have Richie Escalante. Well, you know, the, the two riders are so different in stature and even the way they ride. So Sometimes I think you're right. It can get you messed up, but let's talk a little bit about personnel wise, if you can. And I'm not sure how much you know about this to start with, but we had heard that if Petrucci was going to be coming over here, he was probably going to have a different crew chief. Maurizio uh, Perlini was going to be replaced by somebody else. I don't know if Perlini was doing something else. We know you had David Behrend last year, an American um, suspension guy who did a great job, obviously crew chiefing you all to a championship. Um, a lot of the guys on Petrucci's crew last year were Italian with the exception of Danny Anderson. Do you know what the makeup of your crew is going to be this year? Do you yet know who your crew chief is going to be is it going to be a mix of italian people and you know people like danny it, will he be back or do you know any of that yet uh, as, as far as i know it'll be a different crew chief um but it'll still be ducati corsa um i, I believe you know I, I got along great with Maurizio, but i i had heard some some stuff that you know petrucci might not have been happy or you know somebody wasn't happy in in the team with what was going on so we we have a different uh Ducati Corsa crew chief I'm not sure exactly who it'll be but I think it might be um Simone who was on the team and then we also I think Danny's coming back as a mechanic I think Marco's coming back from from Ducati as well from Italy um and I think they're also adding some other people so I know that we're we're 100 percent uh you know backed by Ducati Corsa with factory 23 V4Rs so um they're definitely going to as far as I understand in a spare, no expense. I know that whenever I, when I called, uh, when I first got the call from Bobby, I know Lewis called me right after and said, Hey, this isn't official yet. I want to make sure before any of this happens that you have the best of the best. 
support and that we're going to get a good crew and that everything's there for you to win. And then they called, you know, a few days later and said, all right, we're, we're good. We have, we have what we wanted. And, and so the ride, the ride's yours. So I know that for sure, we're going to have really good crew from Ducati Corsa and we don't need to worry about any of it. That's great. And you know, it's, I had actually heard that you, they, they basically told you on Thanksgiving day that you were going to, you were going to get that ride. Um, is that true? Yeah. 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 They called me Thanksgiving day, like I said earlier. And, and it, uh, you know, it was a shock to me. It was, I didn't really know what to think to, because to be honest, you know, and, and I've talked to, to Bobby about this before, and this, this doesn't have anything to do with how I feel now, but initially I just was scared. Like I didn't, even earlier in the year when we talked about going to Superbike, I, I was nervous, you know, I, the year before didn't, didn't go well. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of it was, some of it was mental because of things that I thought was going on in the team. But, you know, I, I just, um, was a little bit nervous to go, you know, I'm coming off a really good year. We won a championship, like kind of some of my thoughts were like, you know, everybody has, them. like, there's that self doubt. And once I thought about it and sat down about it or and was able to really think about it and, and kind of tell myself like, all right, you know, this is going to be your 18th year racing motorcycles professionally. And, and I really know what I need, you know, it's like almost like going through a really bad relationship for a long time. You sit, sit on it for a little while and, and you think like, what do I need to, to have a good relationship or what do I need to succeed? And, and then, you know, not, not all times, but a lot of times from, from, you know, listen to people that I know. And from my experience, you find the right thing whenever you really sit down and you have time to think about what you need to succeed or, or have a good relationship. And, and I thought about what do I need? You know, I think I've heard from people that I've raced against and I've heard from, from people that, you know, on the outside looking in that, you know, they, they've always considered me somebody with the most natural talent that they've seen in the last few years in America or the last, however long, you know, I'm not saying that I'm, better than anybody that raced against, but just from what people have said. And the thing that they've thought that I lacked the most of was, was just preparation, like how bad I wanted it. <clears throat> and I, I've talked about it a bunch of times that, you know, there's times where I've said, Oh, this is, I'm training hard and I'm going to get it. But it, it always, you know, it was, it was kind of like an 80% thing. There was one year that I really like, when I look back at it, that I really was dedicated and it was 2018. And, and that's what I'm trying to model myself off of, uh, you know, just from experience that I've had, it was what I did in 18. I'm trying to replicate what I did that year and then some. And, uh, so that's really, I think what's going to make the biggest difference is me wanting it, not just riding off <clears throat> natural talent. And it's, it's just, like I said, always been something that I've struggled with for some reason, you know, it's, it's hard to, push yourself that extra 30% whenever you can win races by not doing much. Uh, but when you look back on it, like I said, and really think about what I need to do to succeed, it's, it's uh, giving that extra bit of effort. And and like I said, last year, it's, it's crazy how much in the years past people talk about, you have a kid, you slow down. And, and I really, I honestly think that that last year was such a motivation for me to, to, uh, to race hard for my kid. You know, I want, I want to be winning superbike races again. I want to win superbike championships. I look at Josh Hayes, you know, he was, I don't even know how old 35, 36 when he started with Yamaha and the superbike and the guy won four, four superbike championships. So I'm only 32 years old and, and I'm arguably on going to be on the best bike in the paddock this year with, with, uh, factory Ducati backing. And 
I, I have no excuses and I really need to, to, like I said earlier, take advantage of the situation and make sure there's nothing left on the table. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to do anything this year to, to make sure that, that we get there. You know, one of the things that was unusual last year, Josh, with uh, Petrucci is that during the off season, I mean, they did some testing. It was, I mean, they did it in Portimao on, uh, with the bike on Dunlops, which was a little odd because we don't race at that track. And I know we don't race at places like Thunder Hill or Buttonwill or whatever, but I would assume you guys are going to be testing during this off season. And you're probably going to be testing here in the U S not going over to Italy. Um, it, will, will, do you guys have a plan to, to do any testing, not to give away any dates or anything, but you you'll be able to be on the bike a few times before the start of the season. Is that right? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We've, we've already done actually three tests on the bike, uh, since, since the season ended. And I think we plan on doing at least five more before the season starts and, and hopefully we get, you know, some tracks that, that we're going to race at, but it's not, it's not the end of the world if that's not the case. Cause you, you look at attack, they test at button world. That's the only track that they test at. So it's, it's, I don't think that that's really what makes you be successful or not. You just need to find a track that has good all around, uh, you know, kind of good all around track to test at that's similar to a lot of the places that we go to. So it's, I, I think that the team's fully prepared, like I am to do whatever we need to do to, to be competitive this year and, and to be fighting at the front with, with Gagne and those guys, you know, on his good day. Yeah. So Josh, I've been dying to talk to you about, I, I picked up on the, those two, Jason, I think his name is pronounced Commissa or something like that, but Haggerty, the thing you did with Haggerty. And I want to, I want to ask you about that, that those two videos were fantastic. I think my favorite thing about it, other than the fact that you just absolutely were crazy, you, you should be a drag racer. I mean, your, uh, your uh, ability down a quarter mile is pretty impressive. But I also loved the, the kind of attitude you brought to that video. The fact that you didn't even say anything was so cool. I mean, I thought that was, it's like you didn't have anything you just showed up. Can you tell us how that came about? Did they get in touch with you? And how did it work out that there were two episodes and will there be more of those? Tell us, tell us about that whole experience. Yeah, it was. So Alex France at Ducati called me and, and, uh, you know, asked if I was willing to, to go out to Willow Springs and, and ride. And I said, yeah, for sure. I didn't really know anything about, and I'm not saying this out of any disrespect. I just, I didn't know about Haggerty's YouTube channel. I'd seen them. Uh, I'd seen their logo on Cam Peterson stuff before and just thought it was a motorcycle insurance company. And, uh, when I got out there, I, they had a production. I mean, there was 10 people out there, you know, shooting video and, and this was, you know, nice cars. Like I, I was shocked. And, uh, yeah, we kind of, when I first got there, it was like, Hey, you know, it's 37 degrees. Like, Oh, we need you out ready to go in about a half hour. It's like seven 30 in the morning. I'm like, Oh man, I thought it was going to be like a 10, 11 o'clock shoot time or, uh, you know, start by the time we started riding, but we got out there early and I could just tell right away that Jason's, uh, character is his attitude was similar to mine. His personality was similar to mine. So we, we just hit it off really well and, and ended up being instead of just somebody showing up just to ride a bike, it really ended up being like us having fun and going back and forth with it. And, you know, they would do each shoot uh, or each take probably 10 times. So we'd, we'd kind of mess around with it. You know, we had like the bat scene and the, you know, flipping the camera off and scooting forward against the tank, like just little funny, funny moments like that, that we got to. <laughs> and it, after the first one, it was, I think they just, they liked it and, 
they're like, man, this is, this is going to be a cool video. Like we didn't just get a bike drag race and we got like somebody that was messing around sliding wheeling, like they liked it. So they asked, they're like, Hey, we're thinking about bringing the bike back for another one now, since we worked with you and Alex hit me back up the week after. And I was there again. And now it's actually turned into them talking about possibly putting somebody as, as the, uh, you know, having kind of a bike channel on that YouTube channel. So, um, there's a possibility of that happening next year, I think. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm just, just along for the ride really. And it ended up being that we were all happy working together. So we decided to do it again, but it was, it was nuts, man. Racing against, you know, GT threes and R eights and $250,000 electric cars, fast car or sedan in the world, Bugattis, like it was pretty nuts. Yeah. That, uh, that, uh, lucid air sapphire was that thing is ridiculous i mean it's got like three electric motors in it and uh, it's the fastest production car in the in the world and but of course now everybody wants to see what the lap times would be you lapping against one of those <laughs> so i mean did they talk about that at all about doing a lap fastest yeah, lap? you know i and i i asked about you know lap times because randy randy posts if I, I i always mess his last name up did i say that right yeah, I think it's Popes. I think he got it. Yeah. Yeah. So he, we talked about kind of some of the lap times around those tracks and the bike actually would, I, they were surprised at how fast the bike would do around like streets of Willow and Willow Springs. So I'm not sure if, if it's something, I think the car people might get, might get a little too sad if we do that. The GT3 would, I'm sure would be, would be hard to beat though. That that's a crazy car, but um, you know, I, I've talked to, you know, Mike, one of the crew chiefs on the V2 side last year, uh, Giovanni, we talked about like Scott Redding's lap times on stock V4s. And it's, it's crazy how good those bikes are stock. So, um, I think that was the biggest thing they're surprised about is like, yeah, a race bike, we understand we'll probably go around those times, but we didn't know a production bike would. And that's the one thing about like a stock V4 that's so impressive is how, how good they are right off, right off the showroom floor. So, so I, I, I'm not sure if they'll do that or not. <laughs> I think for me, I think I knew what you were doing in that first video, but for sure I knew it after seeing the second video, because at first I was like, oh no, he meant to wheelie that entire time. You were, you were trying to do that, right? Yeah. Cause they, you know, the first one, it, I don't think it really matters, but so the first one, the, the bike was so much faster than, than what the car was. And they, so what they do is a lot of times they do their, they they do the testing of the cars, but the official times come from uh, like when they do the official test for the cars where this is just a video production. So the surface uh, might have been better whenever they got their times. But now that we're doing the race, they're at a different track or whatever, different asphalt. So the Corvette was spinning a lot off the line. Actually, a lot of the cars do at Willow. They spin off the line. So, I, you know, you had to kind of uh, show a little bit of a race for the camera, but if we were to just straight up drag race the, the Corvette off the line, uh, on a normal surface, like something that everyday drivers would use, the bike would crush it. I mean, you're talking like two seconds, almost, um, the same with the Bugatti, like the Bugatti was terrible off the line. Uh, the GT three was really good. Like that was close to the real numbers that they said. Um, the Sapphire and the, uh, sorry, the Tesla, 
those were, that was close. Like the race that I did against the Sapphire and the Tesla, that was like real footage. I was trying my hardest to try and keep up with the Sapphire. And we ended up being like a 10th and a half or two tenths off of it. But for a quarter million dollar, 1000 horsepower electric car, I'd say that the, the bike held its own and, and, uh, yeah, people, people were impressed by it, but the first one, yes, I was, I was wheeling kind of just for show of the camera, but also to kind of like, you know, mess with the car guys a little bit on the videos, but the Sapphire video, I was trying my hardest to keep the front wheel down. Um, and it, yeah, it was a lot of fun though. I was, I was super stoked that I got to do that. It opened some doors. I actually was the one driving the GT three in the first video and, and I had so much fun. I got to launch that thing all day also. So it, it was, it was a ton of fun. <laughs> I didn't know that. Cause they do a good job where you can't really tell, you know, who's in there, even when they have all the cars lined up, obviously, you know, Randy post, isn't going to be able to duplicate himself and be in two other cars. So they had somebody else in there. And I, we knew with your leathers and your helmet, that was you on the bike. But to your point about that second video, yeah, you, you almost caught that, um, that Sapphire. And I, I think if you had a little bit more distance, you would, you would have absolutely caught it. I mean, that was crazy. It, how close. Oh yeah. 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 You wouldn't believe how much the, the lucid guys were, they were there the whole day before they rented the track themselves to test, get the thing ready. Uh, we would do a launch and the guy in the Sapphire would do like a lap around the whole track to like recharge the car. Like they would check tire pressures before every time we launched, they were like trying to take as much weight out of the thing as they could. Like it got to the point where the camera guys were like trying to put GoPros on my winglets. And I'm like, Hey, no, like, cause I had Alex from Ducati, like, Hey, we need good times. Like you gotta, this is serious. We need to be up there. I'm like, you guys can't be putting cameras on the bike. We're trying to like go for time here. Like we could do another take with the cameras. So you have the footage, but like, I need to get a good time against the Sapphire right now. Cause those guys were dead serious. Like they weren't smiling at all until the end of the day. Like it was, you would have thought we were at Daytona 200. Like those guys <laughs> were very serious about the times. I, I'm not even kidding. Like, they were so serious. <laughs> well, I love the host, Jason, when he said something about Ducati told you not to save the clutch, just go for it completely. So <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, it's crazy. Like at the end of the day, when the clutch was going out, cause we were doing launch after launch after launch and we weren't giving it time to cool down. It was nuts how consistent, I, and I'm not saying this you know, to be, give kudos to Ducati. I'm just, I'm just saying that I was shocked that a clutch would take that much abuse that, I mean, I was dragging the shit out of it. And at the end of the, of the end, of the, we, we swapped the clutch one time, but the second clutch, I basically did some times on the first one. And then the second one, I wanted to get like a good enough time that we were okay on the first clutch and then put a brand new one in. And I was going to abuse the shit out of it. And at the end of the day, when I was like, the clutch was slipping. Like the times were still basically the same. Like we were within a 10th every launch and it actually was like smoother because it helped keep the front wheel down a little bit more, which was crazy. But, um, it was, it was nuts how we were frying the clutch like big time. Well, you know, one of the things that you've, you've done and you've really embraced Ducati since you've switched over to that brand, Josh, I mean, uh, you, you know, you've, you've fully been involved. Obviously we see you, you know, riding on the street with the, their bikes and, you know, you had the V2, you're on the, going to be on the super bike. Now you rode this, this bike at, at this event, or this, um, challenge with, uh, Haggerty, you d during this past year, 
Have you got a sense of what they call Ducatisti? I mean, these people, these Ducati people that just are all about that brand. And, you know, how does it feel to be part of that, that family, so to speak? Oh, it's, it's great. I mean, I got to go to, a, you know, a concert with the CEO of Ducati, like just me and him, like uh, that doesn't happen at any other brand. Like these guys are, they're all about uh, kind of the, the experience is what I've learned um, everywhere you go. Like I went to the world sales meeting in, in Italy and like, they're about experience. Like that's their biggest thing. And I was even talking to Dax Shepard about it when we were at a track day. He's like, you got to realize like Ducati is a great motorcycle, but more than anything, it's a brand. Like people that don't know about bikes know about Ducati, which is true. Like I go on the V2 or the V4 on the street and people will be like, Oh, that's a sick Ducati. But on previous bikes, I rode, they don't know what it is. Like, Oh, what, what bike is that? Or when I go to talk to somebody now, it's like, Oh, what bike do you race? I'm like, Oh, I race for Ducati. Like, Oh wow. You race a Ducati where before you could tell them what bike or brand you're on. And they don't even, they don't know about it. They don't like, Oh, it's like, they don't, they could care less. You tell them that you ride a Ducati and everybody knows what that is. And when you go to dealerships, like Ducati paid me to go to a bunch of different dealerships and, or sorry, dealerships were paying for me to come and do dealer rides with them. So Ducati would set it up. They would pay for me to come out and do rides with like whatever their, uh, you know, their groups. Right. And it is hardcore. Like these guys, like when you buy a Ducati, you don't go back. Like they're, you're in that brand forever. And it's not just a bunch of guys that go get coffee either. There are those, those guys. And that's what you hear a lot of people saying, but these guys ride the heck out of their bikes and, and they love them. They're all about it. And, uh, you know, I felt the love this year. It was a little bit, I think, of I was expecting some sometimes to be a little bit different, but when you have Danilo Petrucci, who is a factory MotoGP Ducati rider who has won GP races, you know, the attention is going to go to him a little bit more, you know, obviously. So um, I think this year will be different since I'm, you know, flying the flag on the superbike and, and uh, we won the championship now. So I got a little bit of credibility with the Ducatistas. So I think we'll feel a little bit more love this year and, and, but I, I did love being a part of the brand. And, and like I said, getting to even just go to uh, who, what CEO of what motorcycle manufacturer do invites riders to come to concerts with them and, and just hang out with them on a personal level. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just been an amazing experience. And even, even Phil Reed, I mean, you know, whenever his, when his dad passed away, I, I found I'm big into baseball cards. So there was a Phil Reed PSA 10 graded uh, card of his dad and, and just getting to, see him in person and give him the card and kind of share this connection with racing, you know, Paul, Paul can, you know, speak on this, like with his dad being as huge of a racer as he was like, it's the guy that's high up at Ducati that I can talk about stuff like this with. That's not normal for, for other manufacturers. And I'm not taking anything away from those manufacturers. I'm just saying it's a totally different feeling with this brand and, and everybody at the company is all about it. And, and, you know, it's, it's just a lot of fun and, and I'm super happy to, to, to be wearing red again this year. All right, let's fast forward a little bit and, and, and look into the future. I mean, I think this year, the Superbike class or next year, I'm sorry, but the Superbike class is going to be ultra competitive. I mean, we have Jake Gagne, Cameron Peterson, Matthew Skultz, Cameron Bovier, you, whoever Cameron Bobier's teammate is going to be, whether that's PJ Jacobson or whomever. But I mean, on paper, I realize we don't race on paper. It'd be a lot cheaper if we did, but we, 
<laughs> on paper, it's it, it's really going to be a close championship. You can see five, six different winners, perhaps. My question goes back to Cameron Bobier and Moto2. You did your season of Moto2. I know it didn't work out well for you, but I still think that you gained something from that season. And I'm of, I'm of the opinion that Cameron Bobier may be better a better motorcycle racer this coming season than he was the last season he was here when he won a championship, his fifth championship. Would you agree with that? I think yep. just the Moto2 thing with, with the fact that you basically have to ride your ass off every single lap of every single session before you even get to the motorcycle race itself, that's got to help you. Do, you. do you think that's going to be the same with him? I, th- I think you're going to see a more aggressive cam like before, like, Say just say eighteen for example. Like I could, you know, make it. It's not like I was around him the whole season, but when I was, you can make a like rough pass on Cam or tight pass on him, and he, you know, he wouldn't fight right back. Uh, he wanted to be in the front, and uh, you know, he was obviously the guy who won way more championships and races than I did. But he was a rider that I felt like I could, if I had to, I could like ruffle him up a little bit, and maybe I wasn't as fast as him, but I could stuff him and it would fluster him a little bit. Now I think that is going to be improved with cam. Like you said, you're used to always fighting in moto two and you have to be like going right off, right from the drop of the flag. Right. Um, so I think you'll see like cam improved in a lot of areas like that, but I don't think the bikes as competitive as the bike that he was on or the bike that Gagne is going to be on. So, um, yeah, cam might be a better rider, but I think that, uh, it's going to take a little bit of time for him to, to really get used to the BMW. Um, so we'll see, but, but yeah, I do think that for sure, anybody that goes from here and goes to moto two, they're going to come back totally different rider. Uh, he's probably fired up. He probably wants to prove people wrong. So I'm, I'm looking forward to racing against him and, and I'm, I'm hoping that, that I'm, uh, a little bit more prepared than I used to be when I would go up against him. And, and I hope that we have, like you said, super tight racing at the front. It'd be sick to see, to see five or six of us up there battling, battling for wins. Now, my last question on this, he, he had to change his style to ride that Moto2 bike. Your style, the way that it is and the way that it was, looks like a Moto2 style anyway. I mean, you hang off a lot more than he ever did, but then you can see the style changes he's had to make where he does lean off. Now, Will he be fine just keeping the style that he's got now, or would you see him going back to his old style? Uh, no, I think I think that he's going to probably keep the same style that he had. The only thing is that he was on a 600 versus a 1,000 now, so, you know, lines are going to be a little bit different, which, you know, he's won enough races on a superbike that he knows how to ride a superbike correctly. But I think also the tires are improving more and more, and they're getting better on the edge of the tire for the superbikes, and electronics are getting better. So, like who knows, maybe it's not as much of a point and shoot style anymore. Uh, but you know, I don't know. It's, uh, one thing's for sure is he's going to be at the front, no matter what brand he's on. It's just, just, uh, being there at the end or, or how comfortable he is with that bike. Josh, I, I just thought of something when, when Paul was talking about your Moto2 style of riding, I've never forgotten this. And I, I, I bet you didn't have an either, but I, I think about this a lot. Uh, several years ago, there was a 
publication, if you want to call it that, that was put out, that was written by a couple of people that did evaluations of riders. And one of the things that this publication said about Josh Herring is he leans so far off the bike that he can't see anybody going around him on the outside. And I thought that was the dumbest, dumbest thing I'd ever heard in my life. I was like, what? So, so these, these MotoGP riders that hang off their bikes as much as they can. And that's, that's a problem. I mean, did, do you remember when that comment was made? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think, uh, it was Superbike planet, uh, interview if i'm not mistaken and i man i i used to love dean adams i loved him and this year he he like really rubbed me the wrong way i remember though when that article came out it it bummed me out for sure but I, yeah whatever i mean it's it's different people's opinions but but that is seems pretty strange like moto gp you have guys dragging their shoulders now and putting their head on the ground almost and yeah they're talking about me leaning over or leaning off the bike too much i i don't didn't agree with it dan i don't agree with it now but but it's uh but it was i mean it is cool that somebody came out with a way to kind of like rate riders and talk about their weaknesses and and you know their strengths and stuff i mean that that part of it was cool but but it's uh yeah i don't think that was a good a good opinion but you know i think it's neat when people do that because it's kind of like watching sports center or something they're talking you know bad about some some athletes right so you got to have that stuff but uh but yeah i I think that was a not a good good uh point (laughs) it was a weird evaluation because we know famously you've you've passed people around the outside a couple of times and it's like oh here's the guy that everybody thought would get passed on the outside because he was leaning in too far and here he does it to other people so i just thought they're they're probably it was probably like a shitty way of saying, you know, something about me uh, taking riders out or something. I don't know. Was that a was that in a pre race thing for like a a brochure for the race or was that Superbike Planet? Yeah, you know, it it wasn't it wasn't Superbike Planet. It was actually I'll tell you who it was. It was Chris Martin that put it put yeah, it together. It was, like an, it was gonna be a book. Yeah, and oh, I, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he got he had gotten input from some people in the paddock, but I remember. I mean, I read a bunch of them. There was there was some that were memorable, but that one, I remember. I think I remember talking to you about it right after that, and I just thought it. I instantly thought it was just an odd sort of a thing to say, but um, but you know, this thing about you mixing it up, I wanted to bring that up too because, you know, one of the things in the past we've seen you with certain riders, you mentioned about, about Cameron. Well, we know Matthew Skoltz and you sometimes have tussles out there. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes um, this year with you on, on, on a Ducati and, and, you know, see, depending on where you guys are on the track at the same time, but, but, you know, famously, he obviously got involved a couple of times with Petrucci on some things here and there. So um, are you anticipating that you're probably going to be on the track in, in the vicinity of Mr. Skoltz a couple of times here and there? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I've, you know, I've, every time, you know, you race a superbike, you're going to expect to be around Skoltz, but me and him, I, I think me and him have a good relationship. I think I have a, a good relationship with everybody, you know, in the top five, you know, actually everybody on the grid, but um, yeah, I expect to be around Skoltz a lot and, and probably having some good battles with him all year. It'd be fun. Like always, I think it's, you know, he's aggressive. I'm aggressive. And, and whenever you get two aggressive riders, you get some good racing. So hopefully, hopefully, I think pretty much everybody that that'll be fighting at the front this year is going to be super aggressive. There's not one guy that, that, uh, 
won't shove it underneath you if they need to. I, I just think that whenever people say, Oh, wait till the end of the race to do that stuff. Why are you doing it at the beginning of the race when there's no reward? It's like that we're, uh, last time I checked, we're all racing for money. And when you watch a professional boxing match or MMA fight, what do you do whenever there's fights where everybody's just kind of standing around and not throwing any punches, you turn the channel and you wait till the end of the fight and you go back or you watch the highlights. Like my, my job is to win races and make racing entertaining and try and ruffle the feathers of my competitor. Because if I'm not stuffing people right from the get go, then they're not intimidating me. And if I'm not intimidating people, then they're going to do it to me. So I think, uh, that's just the way I've always been. And I think that's the way pretty much everybody is in the, in front of the grid now. Yeah. And you know, the reason I bring up Matthew is because I don't know if you saw it, but it was funny yesterday on Westby Racing's Facebook page, um, Vanessa does <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> put up the photo of you and Sculpey, and I thought it was cool. It reminded me like, oh yeah, here they are again, you know, and that was a great photo because you guys are buddies there. So it's all good. You know, the relationship is good. Yeah. I don't think there's ever, I don't think there's ever been a time when, when me and me and uh, Maddie weren't, weren't on good terms. I think uh, I, as I've talked about before, I'm the type of rider that, you know, I, I show my emotions and, you know, sometimes if I look at it from the outside in, it's sometimes too much, but, but I can't help the fact that I'm, I'm uh, super passionate about what I'm doing. And I just say what I, what I think. And I think Skoltz does the same, the same thing. So I think we're, uh, yeah, we're both similar on the track. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch for sure. So um, I don't have much more, but I do have one other question. I'm seeing if I'm, I can get any kind of uh, breaking news or scoop out of you, Josh Heron. So Josh Heron, you competed in last year's Daytona 200. You're going to be in Superbike this year. Are you racing in the Daytona 200 this year? Uh, I mean, the, the plan right now is, yeah, to be racing. Um, you know, that's that's my favorite race of the year. and. Right. Uh, you know, I, I had a lot of fun in it last year. I didn't get to finish. Obviously, we didn't get to finish the race this year and or this. Yeah, I guess this year. And in uh, 2020, they, they canceled it because of COVID. So I'm, I'm hungry to get back out. I, I love that track. I love I love that event. And, uh, you know, I've always it's always held a close place in my heart just because I, I was lucky enough to win it in 2010. And oh. and uh, yeah, it'd be, be great to, to, to be there again. So as far as I know, that was one of the one of my requests was that I was that I wanted to do the 200 again. I haven't got an official confirmation, but, but as far as I know that they were, you know, they're planning on putting me in it. So. I thought for him, Hey Paul, I thought he was going to smoke me on and he was just going to make up something and it wasn't even going to be close to revealing it. Maybe, maybe he's telling me this and he isn't going to be in it, but I have a feeling he wants to get back there next year. So, um, so Josh, thanks for giving us that info. So anyway, he doesn't want Brandon Posh to get another watch. I know that. <laughs> another watch. <laughs> yeah, he, he he doesn't have a he doesn't have any more wrists to put him on unless he's going to put it on his ankle. <laughs> yeah, probably fit. Hey, so I've got one more thing because you you brought it up and the the reason the reason well not the, the only a, a big reason for Jake Gagne's success last year was the fact that he can go like hell from the drop from, from the green light to the fit to the finish. But I mean, it, 
in the first couple of laps, he puts a second or a second and a half on everybody. And it was funny because you just mentioned like people giving you crap because you're aggressive early in the race and it doesn't really matter. If you're not aggressive early in the race with Jake Gagne, no one's going to beat him. So yeah. you yeah. may need to do what you used to do on a superbike, And that was you went hard from the very beginning or else the guy's going to get away and you don't catch him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, there's a difference in being aggressive, you know, to, to get away from everybody and being aggressive, like you're willing to like fight for a position. But right. I think either way he was, cause anytime somebody would get close to him, he'd fire right back. So, you know, he comes from the moto background. So, I mean, it's basically like moto two, right. You're always fighting your block pass. And so, um, there's, there's obviously no point in racing if you're not trying to win him. It's not like I'm being cocky by saying that my goal is to go out and beat Gagne, but yeah, he's, he's been good at that, but we need to be better at it. And we just need to, I think it goes back to one of the original questions you asked is it's just having the confidence in the tires and the tracks to, to do it. Um, so I think, you know, that'll be one advantage that I have over what Baz and what Petrucci had was that I, I have experience on the tires and with the tracks. So as long as we can get enough testing in, I think we'll be ready to, to be fighting up there with them. Um, I mean, yeah, I hope, I hope that we can, I mean, that's, <laughs> he's definitely been on fire the last two years, so it's, it's going to be hard to do it, but, but, uh, I know that I have the bike to do it. I know I got the team to do it. It's just, you know, it comes down to me putting in the work and, and, uh, having the right mindset whenever we go into it. And, um, yeah, I hope that, hope that Richard doesn't, doesn't have any cheating tricks up his sleeve like he has in the past. <laughs> All right. Well, Sean, I don't know. Do you have anything else or can we let him go and we all run away and have happy holidays? No, I think we're good. I mean, I'm glad we got you on, Josh. And it, it, thanks for being on so quickly after announcing this deal. We were interested, anxious and interested to talk to you and see, you know, how you felt about everything. But we wish you huge amounts of luck this year. I mean, it's 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 a big, big uh, step for you to to uh, continue your uh, your uh, rides with Ducati and with the faithfulness of those fans to, you know, give them more of what they want. You certainly gave it to them last year with that championship. So best of luck on all of that and, and happy holidays as well. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks for, for having me on. And yeah, I'm looking forward to another fun year and hopefully get to see a lot of you guys listening, guys and girls listening out at the races and, and uh, yeah, hopefully we see another uh, record setting attendance here. That'd be, that'd be really cool. And Josh, I'm going to continue to give you dad advice. So maybe you need to start listening a little more. <laughs> he always listens, but it's too late. <laughs> he always says, oh, you were right. I shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, yeah, well. <laughs> all right, boys, you guys have a great holiday and uh, look forward to talking to you all again soon. All right. See you guys. Bye.